You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Talking About Podcast. I am your host, as always, Daniel Olinger, joined by Sean Kennedy. Sean, the Sixers won again last night. Yeah, it's great. They are a very good basketball team. Uh, as long as they're not on the West Coast, I feel I feel great about my Sixers experience. Just no more West Coast trips where I have to stay up till one in the morning and my sleep is completely messed up for a week and they usually lose. Just avoid that. No, you know, no more. We tried to get no more road games. The NBA wouldn't allow it. I feel like the least they could do is meet us halfway and just, you know, go with the no, no yeah, more West Coast games. No more West Coast games seems fair. Like, we'll meet them in Kansas or something. Like, I know they played those preseason games around once a year in Kansas. Yeah, yeah Joel, Joel's, got, fine. Joel's got connections. You get, like, they could get out Allen Fieldhouse, definitely. Yeah, someone's going to toss Joel the keys. If you need, if you, if a place to play is the main problem, then I think that can easily be overcome. It most certainly. But yeah, first place in the East, still, uh, still good stuff, man. Uh, I mean, Brooklyn's looking good, but I feel good about where the Sixers are at right now. The great thing about the Sixers and the Nets being significantly ahead of everyone else in the East right now is that we win either way, because either we're happy that the Sixers <laughs> are winning and we get to keep talking about them, or we both look smart because we were both very confident in that both of us in the preseason were like, guys, the Nets are probably the best team in the East. Exactly. Although I did say they wouldn't uh, be first in the East during the regular season. I was just more on the they'll they'll pull it together in the playoffs because they're a top tier talent. But I, I feel kind of justified because like Durant's been out for a while and Kyrie's missed a lot of time. So it was more that, uh, I mean, no one really knew that Harden was going there, obviously. So that's kind of overcome that, but well, Harden, yeah, I, Harden knew that he was going there probably. <laughs> Harden and his agent were the only people that knew that he would be in Brooklyn come uh, February. Yeah, I mean, it's like the whole thing we talk about with the Nets. Just at the end of the day, they have three guys who, well, I mean, two who are definitely top 10, and then a third one who's probably top 20. And then as long as the players around you are pretty good, which guys like Joe Harris, Jeff Green, um, our old friend TLC, Bruce Brown, like those guys are all good enough. It's like like your the rest of the, your roster around you has to be like 2019 Sixers bench bad for um it to really cancel out that good of a team when you have those as your top tier talents for sure and and everyone kind of overlooks the fact that they're going to be the them and la are the two places where all the buyout guys are going to line up first to go because any any ring chasing veteran brooklyn's on your short list right, right now and you get to live in new york city which a lot of guys like so it's Safer. uh Save for Ursan Ilyasova, who the Sixers like. I mean, Ursan always tweeting about how he should get back in the league. Basically, I don't know if you see this. Like, he's very much like the times he is <laughs> active online. It's like he's campaigning for himself to get a contract. I would be fine if the Sixers gave Ursan one more chance. You're okay dropping our, our man Vincent Poirier if, oh, uh, if Ursan wants to come back. Can they drop Terrence Ferguson instead? Yeah, they can drop. Yeah, okay. So you're definitely, yeah, you're definitely on board with that. But um, <laughs> I, I feel like there's a better upgrade to be made at the deadline. So yeah, I, I don't. This is not Sixers trade uh, pickup deadline talk, <laughs> or Ursan Ilyasova talk as much as we would love it to be. Um, so yeah, the Sixers beat the Mavericks last night, one one hundred and eleven to ninety seven, in a game that's, I mean, the final score is, makes it look closer than it actually was. The Sixers got out to a big lead in the second quarter behind a, some good plays from Luka Doncic, the Mavs got back in it, but then the Sixers just exploded again in the third quarter. Big night for the bench. 
that is usually troublesome. Dwight Howard had his best game in a long time, shot six or seven from the field, the only miss being a, you know, typical Dwight late three-pointer. <laughs> he a- earned it. Hey, if, if ever he there was a time for Dwight to shoot a three, it was with three minutes left in a game that had already been decided and he he had been awesome in. So take your shoot your shot, Dwight. Go for it. Two of my Mavs fan friends online of Richard Stamen, who runs the Mavs draft account, and Lauren Gunn. They have I've seen them complain many times about their team's rebounding. And I kind of understood it last night. Like, even if it doesn't show up in the rebounding margin, just the amount of times Dwight completely overpowered the Mavericks to get boards or it just felt like the Mavericks had no strength inside besides Boban, who was too slow to like stay in front of other players. Yeah, it was it was not a good Boban game either. There there were a number of plays offensively where they should run like a pick and roll with him, and it would just like fumble off his hands after he after he got the pass. Uh, defensively, you know he can't guard in space, and the Sixers were kind of exploiting that a little bit. Um, yeah, you could tell they they started the second half and they went small and tried to like attack the Sixers in a different way without Boban out there. And, you know, that didn't work either, but they, they just didn't have the right lineup combinations to counteract the Sixers. It was pretty clear. And we, we should mention like Chris Stapps wasn't playing for them, which obviously would have helped as a, as a stretch big um, that would have made a, a significant difference for them, but he's been out with uh, I believe back tightness all week. So that was a, something in the Sixers favor for a change in the injury category. The six, the Sixers defense was awesome all of last night, but it was in particular Ben Simmons just, I mean, Luca eventually got his points, but Ben was just hounding him left and right. He had multiple plays where he's like sprint. There was one play there. I think someone got beat off a dribble drive. Ben sprinted by them like down, like, he just did like a flyby near the rim to kind of scare them off and made them pass out. And he was like below the baseline. Then when it got swung around to an open three-point shooter, Ben gave one of those like Pascal Siakam last minute. I'm just going to jump straight by this guy with my huge body and hopefully distract him and it caused a miss. And it's just – Ben is getting to the point where it's like ever since the Harden trade, he's been – unbelievably good especially on defense it just feels like every night I'm so excited to watch him play defense because he's just going to be running around everywhere closing space uh James Johnson had one play where he like I think Luca had passed it to him and they kind of like got bunched up together so the Mavs were a little awkward spacing but you could see Ben like kind of peeling off James Johnson do the thing where he's trailing behind the guy you know it worked earlier on Willie Colley Stein where (laughs) when Ben just ripped him yeah, but, that that Collie Stein play. There is there was like if uh, in NBA 2K when they have like situational awareness ratings, Collie Stein's was like in the negative for that play. Definitely. Just like completely <laughs> forgot that other people could be on the court. Definitely, but um, James Johnson like so then Ben's tr- kind of like peeling off and looking to see if he can poke it away from James Johnson. You can see like James Johnson's legitimately scared that Ben's about to rip the ball away from him. <laughs> James like, Johnson so fears scared. no man. I'm sorry, I have to stop you there. <laughs> James I mean, Johnson, black belt, routinely it, on the list of players guys do not want to get a fight in when, very they, when fair, they ask him like, about this. He can be afraid of like committing a turnover. I'm think now obviously like if Ben had fouled him and it was a hard foul, yes, James Johnson would have stood up and like roundhouse kicked him, like of course. But <laughs> I, I'll use the word worried, worried about turning the ball over. Sure, it's just something I see where I feel like it is the at the point where. If you don't have a supreme handle, like one of the best ball handlers in the league, and Ben Simmons is near you, you start to get a little anxious because you know he might be coming soon. And that is just an incredible development. Like everyone talks about how weird it is to see Joel Embiid as an MVP. And it is still amazing. Like, I mean, Ben Joel did not have his best game last night. He shot five of 20 from the field, but because he's Joel Embiid, free throw efficiency master of the universe, he's still scored 23 points, still wrecks things on defense. And, you know, it's like, you know, even yeah. on those nights, it's like, Joel, that's what MVPs do is like, even when they don't have it going, it's like, you look at it's like, yeah, it's not a great Embiid game, but he obviously wasn't bad. Defensively, he was awesome. Offensively, he was kind of bad, but it just speaks to how good he is. Like, Joel was not good offensively. He led the game in scoring. <laughs> when, when you go, it doesn't matter how bad you shoot from the field if you're just going to get to the free throw line, like, 
12 times and make 11 of them. It just, that's 11 free points each night. And he, he's figured it out. It's like the whole, it's one of the whole lessons of the past decade is if you get to the free throw line a lot, and these guys are incredible free throw shooters, you're just going to be good. It's just very hard to stop that. It is. Yeah. He's, he's definitely, uh, He's he's the guy on YouTube that does a life hack series where he he drops a new video every week and for Joel it's a new video on how to efficiently draw fouls and uh, he's figured it out he's uh he went he went into the lab and he diagnosed the ways that people are able to concoct different moves and uh, the little the little pump fakes the little hesitations and he he diagnosed it all and he is a master now he can just get the line seemingly whenever he wants so yeah but back to ben simmons real quick not to i mean it's always fun to have a little joel tangent but i mean i think i still feel like ben was i mean the two stories of the night probably were dwight howard you know after being very frustrating the past uh, few weeks having his big bounce back game and then just ben simmons again like i mean we had the whole all-star talk two weeks ago where we were saying basically obviously joel was going to make it Tobias Harris did not make it. And we kind of were discussing how, yeah, it makes sense. Like as much as we love Toby and how great he's been with only 12 roster spots. And you looked at how everyone's playing the East. There was just, it was just hard to say who is he better than or whose spot is he going to take? But then Ben kept playing so well. He made the team. And I was like, yeah, that's probably right. Cause Ben is just basically, he had a rough first few weeks and then he just went super Saiyan mode the, re- the rest of the time. And he's playing great again. Yeah, it, it was fascinating. Uh, Doc, in one of his press conferences, he kind of mentioned how he'd been calling around to the different coaches in the league and, you know, just making the case for Ben and Toby, trying to trying to whip up the votes, which which I appreciate from Doc. Um, that's not something that's really talked about. So I, I was kind of glad he pulled the curtain back a little bit on, on that whole process. But it was, it was interesting. He said that coaches were just getting back to them and like, really like we're surprised you even feel the need to make the case for Ben because in, in their minds, he was so obviously an all-star that it, they didn't even feel like not doc needed to, to whip up votes for him. Um, so, that, so, I mean, that's really great for the Sixers and, you know, Ben's standing in the league, the coaches just kind of like slot him in as this no brainer all-star because I know we had the discussion two weeks ago, but even even uh, like maybe a month ago when we were talking about um, bold predictions and we said, like, is Ben not going to be an all star? And I, I, I said that I didn't think he would be because at the time he just he was not playing well at all for mm-hmm. a, a long stretch of the early part of the season. He was and, not an all star. If, the, if the, they selected it after the first like month, he was not an all star. Yeah, if it, yeah, on January twentieth, he he was not an all star for sure. But one month later, and not only has he continued what has been excellent defense throughout the season, I I think he's even ramped it up. Where now people are talking about him as like a defensive player of the year guy, whereas before it was more like oh he's probably first team. Now he's like he could win the award, and his offense. He's talked about his his refocused mentality and how he has to like lock in and, and maintain this mindset that he has to be aggressive because it's not something that comes naturally for him. But, and now he, he's gone from, there were a lot of games like, Oh, he just had eight points and was basically invisible offensively where it's kind of like a 15 point baseline for him now. And then on good nights, he's having 22 points. So on good nights, just, he's having, on good nights, he's having 42 against the jazz. <laughs> those are the really good nights. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, he's taken the step up in that, in that area as well. And it's it's all been really great, and he he certainly deserved to uh, make the All Star team, and it may, maybe that that I'm sure that hurt Tobias not only because that's a spot that goes away, but it's it's you have to really be a good team or really have three premier talents to get three All Stars. Um, and you know the Sixers are first in the East, but they, they haven't been like a historically great team where people say, oh, they absolutely have to get those three guys in. So I, I think Ben being a kind of a no-brainer made it easier for people to go elsewhere um, mm-hmm. and and not vote into bias. But yeah, it was just it was a tough uh, tough field this year. So I, I don't think Tobias not making it was like any big outrage. I, I feel like everybody that made it had had a solid case, and 
there were six other guys probably you could have also made the case for, but uh, Ben, Ben deservedly made the team. He's, he's been absolutely tremendous these last few weeks. Yeah. So when you say that the coaches, like as doc said, were kind of surprised they felt they make need to make the case for Ben that tracks pretty well because I think most NBA coaches are a little more quote unquote old school. They like, it's a thing why young guys get pulled all the time or, certain guys get pulled after bad mistakes coaches really care about their defenses they do not like guys who make mistakes or just they have trouble hiding and as we said ben simmons i don't think he's defensive player of the year just because the way basketball is structured your big man who provides rim protection is just generally your best defender if he's good like that inherently provides more value but if we like separated the defensive player of the year awards. If we had one for best like big man defender, best interior defender and best perimeter defender. I think Ben Simmons would be the front runner for best perimeter defender this year, probably. And I think that matters to coaches. It's like they have to go into each game thinking, geez, like how am I supposed to get so-and-so open or get Ben Simmons away from this guy? He's just going to be tracking him. But, and I also love the Sixers. Like Ben doesn't just like switch off of guys easily. He'll like sprint through screens really well. He's really strong, so you know the screens don't bother him as much. And he, again, he's so fast; he'll he'll just he just recovers in space so quickly, and it's unbelievable how how much ground he can cover at any time. Yeah, the, I mean, there's very few guys on this earth that are six ten and are as quick and agile and able to navigate small spaces as well as Ben does. So yeah, that, I mean, that, that combination of size and speed is just something you don't come across very often. Um, it's interesting, you know, with, with coaches, I'm sure that Ben is one of the most like difficult guys to kind of game plan around just because a, he's such a unique player. Like Tobias is really good, but you come across, you know, dozens of like, Hey, this guy's a, a pretty strong, like fairly, fairly good ball handler, like six, eight forward that can shoot well. Like there's, there's any number of those guys in the league, but Ben is, you know, I hate, I hate the term because it gets overused, but he is a unicorn in the sense that there aren't a lot of guys that can do the things that Ben does at his size. So having to game plan for Ben, where, as, as you mentioned, Hey, he, he's going to be on our top player. What, what can we do to, to help our guy, get out of this like torture chamber that Ben's going to put him in. So we need to come up with stuff like that. We need to like really hammer into our guys that they need to make this wall in transition and always be aware of where he is in those moments between when the Sixers get a rebound and the couple seconds they're, they're sprinting down court because Ben's going to be tacking immediately. And we need to be aware of that. Um, These are things coaches have to think about. So while it doesn't always show up, in the scoring department, like Ben is always on their minds of how they're going to stop him and how they're going to counteract what he's doing on the court. So I feel like that probably plays a factor as well. Just the amount of game planning that goes into being aware of Ben um, for opposing coaches and, and that they kind of view that as uh, taking into all-star consideration because Mm -hmm. just the impact he provides. So you talked about like trying to, build a wall of Ben and I think well I think you can game plan for Ben in the sense that I don't think they need to build a wall as much because Ben doesn't really have all of those like the reason they have to do it against Giannis so much is that Giannis is so good at that Euro step that like flexible movement with his legs and his incredible strides where he can get around you and Ben has a lot like Ben's bad misses and ugly misses I mean they're really ugly where he just like he goes body up with someone they're shoulder to shoulder and he just can't get it up and that just happens a good amount of times. But that's like the whole thing with Ben as an offensive player is that you have to at all times be in front of him. And since they can back up so much because he can't shoot, they can generally do that, opponents can. But the few times that Ben does get around them is when they start freaking out. The defenses are like, basically, if Ben's shoulder is past yours just by an inch, you're done because you're not getting back in front of him. He's too fast and too strong. And that's why also... So it's why Ben's so good in transition, obviously, because he's out and running. The few t- when he can beat someone off the dribble, like if they come up too close to him, that's great. And then my favorite thing he does is where 
obviously like teams don't respect Ben as a quote unquote floor spacer. If he doesn't have the ball in his hands, like they're going to sag in, but one he can do that. And he's done it way more this year. Now this is either something Ben picked up on or doc rivers and the coaching staff instilled in him. And he's been doing it more. It can probably be both, but where they'll be throwing it to him. And as the ball is passed, swung to him on the perimeter, he's already running into the catch. So he has like this running start. He's moving off ball like that. And once he catches it, the defender who was sagged down turns and all he sees is that Ben Simmons is already sprinting by him. And like, they don't have time to react. And I really like it when they do that. So that's like kind of the whole thing with Ben is if Ben, like if you can just stay in front of Ben, you have a chance because he does not have great, like, super incredible finishing craft where he can do all kinds of weird finishes or obviously probably not shooting a pull-up of some kind. He has the weird righty hook, which is fine, a fine move, but still not something you're going to be too worried about. Like if he takes that, if a Sixers possession ends in a righty jump hook for Ben, it's not the worst thing for an opponent. What is worse is when when they you're not watching Ben for a second, He you turn to see him as the ball gets past him and he's already sprinting in for a dunk. Yeah. 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 You make a lot of good points there. Um, yeah. The walls like the wall with Ben is a little different than obviously the Giannis wall. Uh, when, when I'm saying form a wall, it, it's not like you need three guys there. It's, it's more just like, Hey, have someone aware that Ben is coming down the court and ready to be in like the, the high circle area just to, to kind of get in front of him before he can get that final head of steam going towards the basket. Uh, I, I think that's just what coaches tell their guys, basically, um, more so than, you know, if we need multiple guys ready to to step up. It's just it's just be aware. And because if, if you're not aware, it's like you said, then suddenly he's past you and then then you're done. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just been great to watch Ben these last few weeks. He's he's really taken his game to the next level. Uh, people have been saying it's this and the, the the one January when Joel was out and, and Ben was kind of leading the team himself and they had the, the long win streak um, that these are the two best stretches of his career. Um, and I think this is, uh, as Derek Bodner mentioned on Twitter, this is kind of more encouraging because it is coming with Joel there and it, it it's them doing this together. That's from a team wide perspective. That's re- very encouraging and great to see so um yeah i mean he's still he's still really young too so it's 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 awesome just to to have these two guys that are you know either just entering their prime and playing so well together it's uh the process worked (laughs) confirmed (laughs) well maybe we should bring someone on and debate whether the process worked Oh yeah, I'm sure that, that would go over well. But um, yeah, all this Ben Simmons talk leads us into the discussion I wanted to have, which was considering. So if Ben playing this well, I just wanted to go through and see because he just made the All Star team. But do we think Ben Simmons is a top twenty NBA player? I think he was getting some buzz for it heading into his second year after he had the incredible like stretch to end his rookie year, and he had a good start to second year, then cooled down. You know, you know, depending on how big someone a fan is and how much they watch Ben Simmons, you can get very different opinions. And like, oh, there are probably a good amount of casual fans out there who will always think Ben Simmons is quote unquote bad, just because they like watching highlights and Ben and the funny and funny plays. And there are a lot of funny plays where Ben can't shoot. But you know, that's not the point right now. The point is to discuss whether Ben is up to that point where he really is just one of the very best league, one of the 20 best. So I went through it some. I'm going to list out. So I first had 11 guys, and I I kind of had it in order, but I really wasn't sure. I didn't want to spend too much time on that. So I'm going to list off these 11 guys who I had no debate at all. They're just better than Ben. You ready? Yep, go ahead. So LeBron, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, Steph Curry, James Harden, Anthony Davis, Luka Doncic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Damian Lillard. All 11, I think, are just better than Ben. And yeah, that's-, that's fine with me. With you so far. Okay, so then I had a bunch of names I was writing down, like for who else 
could be not and like in terms of it's hard because I was trying to balance it between performance this year and also still what I think of them weighing more on performance this year in a sense, because I think that's kind of like where they're at now is who's better than them. But like you also have to take into effect, like what you know about them, like probably the best example being someone like Jimmy Butler, who's missed a good amount of this year in the heat of struggle, but he's, they've been good in the games he played. And like, even if Jimmy Butler's not going to get an all-star selection like Ben, Ben probably is more likely to get an all NBA selection. Like, do you think Jimmy Butler is better than Ben Simmons still? Uh, I don't know. You don't. I I, 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 think, I, was, I was debating it a lot. Yeah, it's it's a little different. Like, who would you want if your team's in the NBA Finals? Is I think a slightly different question than do I think this guy's better than another hmm. guy? Um, I think you could make a better case for Butler in like the biggest situation of and when everything grinds down in the playoffs and butler's like playmaking and ability to get to the line and like the things he does are are better accentuated in the playoffs whereas that's not as much the case with ben so so i think that's a slightly different question but if you're just talking like who's a better basketball player right now I, i i feel like i i can say ben without too much all right. That's hesitation about it. Yeah, to be fair, those are two guys were so like the next thing I did after this was after this first eleven, I had all these names written down, like almost twenty something names. And the f- next four that well, I wouldn't say I had them as locks to be better than Ben. I was pretty sure they're just better than Ben still right now. So tell me if you disagree with any of these four. Chris Paul, Bradley <sighs> Beal, Jason Tatum, Rudy Gobert. It's tough. <laughs> I, I, I think like, like I think Brad Beal as much, I mean, the Wizards have won now at six of their last seven. They had that crazy win over the Nuggets last night where the Nuggets botched a three-on-one fast break with five seconds left that could have either tied or won them the game. But uh, Bradley Beal, like, score, leading the league in scoring on the second-best true shooting percentage of his career. He's just an incredible offensive weapon. He drives so much, like, good scoring for them. I think he's a little better. Rudy Gobert anchors a very good defense despite having like, well, having solid defenders around him. It's not like the Jazz, the other four in the starting Jazz are all lockdown guys. I mean, Gobert's, Gobert is the key cog to their whole machine that's right now the best team. They're right now playing the best basketball in the NBA. And I think Gobert is the key to all of that as a vertical floor spacer and just incredible defend, defender, especially like just – I mean, we, we know what the whole thing of Gobert on defense is. He's, he's incredible. But Jason Tatum, I'm sure Jason Tatum versus Ben Simmons is probably fun for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> then Chris Paul, like I just – you watch the Suns and it's like, man, Chris Paul is still very good. He still dissects everything. He's still like – even at this old and at that height, he's still an incredible defender. One of the, We said Ben Simmons is probably the best perimeter defender in the NBA. Chris Paul is still one of the better def- perimeter defenders in the NBA too. He bothers a lot of guys. And then offensively just drives good offense whenever they need it. So I was pretty – I felt like those four were better than Ben right now. Yeah, I wouldn't like hate on anyone if they put them – above Ben. Um, yeah, I think Beal, you have to, they're, they're very different players, obviously, but Beal is just scoring at such an incredible rate right now that, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. Tatum's just been after his COVID thing. It seems like it, he's still bothered by it. His, his shooting has really fallen off a cliff since he's he came still, back. He's still playing well. Like the Celtics have had a bad season, but basically all of their seasons been Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are still both very good. The rest of their team is very not ever since Marcus Smart went down. Like they've been playing Aaron Neesmith and Shemi Ojale a lot of crunch time minutes, and that's more of the problem. Yeah, and I, I'm not, I'm not even saying it's because they're they've been losing. It, it's just like if you look at his his shooting efficiency numbers, they've really fallen off a cliff. Um, but I, I I'm a guy I really like Tatum and his game, and prior to him going out with COVID. I I would have said this was 100% a no-brainer Tatum for Ben, um, so all- I'm not I'm not going to change that just because he's been struggling post COVID. I think I, I mean I hope that that'll eventually get he'll he'll get back to feeling like himself 100% of the time, and that 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 shooting will 
you know, progress back to her, towards his, his normal trajectory that he was on. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm still fine going Tatum over Ben. It's also notable that he's not as good as Ben on defense, but Tatum is a very good defender. He's, he's a, yeah, he's amazing. He's a great. Defender. He's one of the better off ball defenders in the NBA because he has great length and really good positioning all the time. Yeah, so he's a he's a like great like weak side shot blocker. Tatum is a two way impact player, and that matters. He, yeah, he's a big positive on both ends. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just I just wanted to note that just because mm-hmm. Tatum like people are are looking at his numbers recently and it's it's fair because he, he hasn't really been good since he mm-hmm. came back but i think that's there's a reason for that and i, I don't want to you part know sl- slot jeff, him differently part of the reason is that jeff teague is organizing the half court offense he's in <laughs> the time sixers killer sixers preseason killer jeff teague <laughs> um current celtic season killer jeff teague but, exactly uh, yeah um gobert chris paul I, I, you took i felt like you took more exception to those two yeah i mean paul if, if you're still Paul, I feel it's more of the like lifetime achievement ranking. He's still it, like really- in a vacuum. It, he's still really good. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like still an like deserved all-star. He's having another really good year. And the fact that he's playing this well still at his age is incredible. Like he deserves all the plaudits in the world for that. Like just in a vacuum is Chris Paul right now better than Ben. I, I probably wouldn't say yes but if you're if you're still going like oh he's he's been there he's a hall of famer like he knows how to get things done when the chips are down that that's fine like I, i'm not gonna kill anyone if they put paul over ben but like if you're just looking in a vacuum at this point in time is ben better than chris i, I would say he is but uh, either way that's fine um gobert i don't know it's they're both amazing defenders gobert just because he's the back line of defense. And as you kind of talked about a little earlier in the pod, like that's a little more important as far as affecting your overall team's defense is having that guy who's, you know, one of the best in the world at what he does versus Ben, who's a perimeter defender as one of the best in the world in that department. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'd never really look too closely at, how much he provides offensively. I, I know there's value in being, being the rim runner and, and he's, he's helpful in that area, but is it enough like versus the playmaking that Ben provides with all the like leading the league in three point assists and yeah. his yeah, transition yeah. game. Like, the argument is like that Gobert is such a great roller. He times everything so well with his, the way like, like, you know how we get frustrated that it doesn't always seem like Joel Embiid, you know, as great as Joel is, he's never been a great pick-and-roll guy because he doesn't get off the ground super – he doesn't have super light feet to get off the ground. doesn't always seem like he knows exactly how to, like, roll to the basket at the right times. Like, Gobert is incredible at that. And it's it's like a thing where it's hard to know what gives gets more credit and that that's one of the reasons the Jazz have been killing everybody this year is, like, they have these four great floor spacers and really good passers around him. So he accentuates them with his rim gravity and they accentuate him by like, they don't want to have, people don't want to help off of them. So, you know, it's kind of like, it's hard to determine who gets more credit there because they're both mutually beneficial. Yeah. And there, there's definitely value in that. And he's, I, I mean, we're having this conversation, so it's not like I'm saying Gobert's not a great player, but I don't know. I, I would just lean Ben over Rudy okay. um, by a slight margin. So well, then here are the other names I had that I was considering. So I had the, at, when I got to that point, I was at 15 players. Then some other names, Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brown. Oh, by the way, the ones I'm listing off here, these are ones I couldn't decide. Like, so I'm still thinking this out. These aren't like guys I have in front of Ben right now, for sure. Kyrie, Jalen Brown, Zach Levine, Jimmy Butler, who we already discussed and saying you probably would lean Ben. His teammate, Bam Adebayo. Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Zion Williamson. And I did want to list DeMar DeRozan. He's been very good, but I kind of think DeMar is probably no. But, yeah, those were – and I had other names there, but I'm not going to just list them all off. I had a lot of other guys, a lot of these other all-star selections or guys who get considered. I I thought about them, but those were really the guys I got down to. Like, I could see a case for them being better than Ben. So, do any of those names stand out to you as – 
better than them. Like, uh, I feel like most people would say, oh, Kyrie Irving's been better than them. He's had a great season. I think there's an argument for Ben being better than Kyrie. Actually, probably the name I'd feel most strongly right now saying they're better than Ben Simmons right now is, like, Zach Levine has been unbelievable this season. And I think you can probably make a case that he's better than Ben just slightly right now with how good he is on offense. I, I, I'm not ready to go there. I mean, he's, he's been very good and he's definitely. He's a three level scorer who's scoring super efficiently and he's passing much better and his defense, like not good, but it's not like Zach Levine has gotten out of the Trey young. I have a giant red target on my back. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I just feel like if you're not providing defensive value, you have to be so good. You have to be Bradley Beal level. Zach Levine's just below that. He's like averaging just a few fewer a few fewer points per game and like basically the same levels of efficiency. All right. Well, so, somewhere in the Beal to Zach Levine gap is where Ben Simmons <laughs> lives. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm not re- I'm not ready to go there with Zach Levine. How about but, how about Kyrie then? Yeah, I mean he's been doing it for a long time. Like he's still hyper efficient and able to create offense in ways that really no one else in the league can in a lot of, in a lot of it with what he does as a, as a ball handler and everything. So yeah, I'm I'm fine. If someone wants to say Kyrie's better than Ben, um, like when Ben hits a game winning shot to win the NBA finals, then that can be different. But uh, as long as Kyrie's still performing at his top level, which when he's been on the court, he has been like, I don't, I, I don't have a problem with someone saying Kyrie's better than Ben. See, although that kind of feels weird to me because it kind of feels like you're okay. This is just a different question. I'm going to go off to, do you think Kyrie's better than Chris Paul right now? Cause I don't know why I was kind of getting that inkling from you. Cause I would say Chris Paul's still better than Kyrie right now. Um, they're, I mean, they're different players. It's, yeah, I guess I, I would say Kyrie is better than Chris Paul right now. See, I I still think Chris Paul's a little bit better. Now, if you want to talk about like availability and that being a skill, then I mean I I guess that's a different conversation. Um I'm kind of looking at this in a vacuum, like if they're on the court, mm-hmm. where where do I rank them? Um because Kyrie obviously has pretty long in injury history at this point, plus his yeah, like sometimes one, not showing up history. Uh, like one good example of that, just I'm cutting in there. Like, um, I didn't put Carl Anthony Towns in that last list. Like, I think two years ago, when before he's now had a lot of bad luck and a lot of a lot of tragedy in his family, and just a lot of missed time. Cat was a top twenty player in the league, pretty clearly. And yeah, I, for sure. If Cat plays like if Cat gets back to that level again and just does that for like the next does that's like the end of the season is like back to oh that's all-star carl anthony towns then i could say yeah he might be better because i mean cat cat two years ago was just like killing it offensively yeah he was in the conversation as like a top 10 guy even so um, yeah so yeah there's there's like a covid asterisk with that and everything so uh did you say paul george and i and i just oh i actually forgot to write that one down and that's actually yeah paul george is better than ben simmons right now yeah so that's the only obvious one i didn't hear you say that i would put feels very on brand for paul george (laughs) him but uh yeah um yeah other so like i like i could argue zach levine looking at these other names jalen brown has been very good this year and he's hitting so many pull-up jumpers i do think there's something to defensively jalen brown is very good on ball And, and like both him and ben simmons their best points of their defense are on ball they're absolute terrors with their athleticism and quickness but ben is much bigger than Jalen brown so it, it can be a little more effective and then off ball like you know ben isn't like the best off ball defender. i think ben is a good off ball defender but it's like you don't think of when you think of ben simmons defense first you think on ball then off ball Jalen brown is to the point where and i have many of the celtics fans i am friends with and who i've read they Jalen brown is a very good on ball defender but as they pointed out off ball he is just bad like flat out not good there was a play in the bubble that i remember so well where 
I think Jalen Brown's men hit Kemba Walker on a hard back screen, and it was just an easy layup for that team. Jalen Brown didn't even see it or call that, and Kemba, like, lost his mind. He was so mad at Jalen for not saying anything, and that still happens a good amount. And I think that does matter if you have that – if you have a big weakness like that in your game that can, like, legitimately hurt your team, that's something that you have to get better at. So I would say Ben Simmons is still better than Jalen Brown right now. I'm yeah, that's that's I, I I'm I'd go Ben as well. Just it's you know I haven't dove into Jalen Brown's off ball defense <laughs> a lot, but uh, for me it's just like Jalen at the level he's been at right now. I think you can make the argument, but it's been like six weeks, so mm. I need a, a larger sample size before I'm ready to definitely put him above Ben. So I would still go Ben. What about Zion? Because no. No. Okay, Zion had a similar thing where the first month of the season, Zion was fine, but he wasn't that great. And then they switched they switched to point Zion mode, and he's basically been unstoppable offensively. Like everyone knows he's going to the offensively, it's almost like Ben Simmons, where everyone knows he's going to the rim, but still whereas Ben can be kind of held down to 15 and 20. No one can stop Zion from getting his 30 points, even though they know he's going to the rim every time. Because he is that Zion will have just these the that turn to his left that spin move everyone knows it's coming but because he's so he, he's so big and burly as he drives at you you have to stay in front of him so you shift to the like right and then he spins back left and it's such a quick spin that you just can't react in time and I just don't know like yeah I would probably still say Ben is better but like. Again, this is another thing. Like, if anyone told me they think Zion's better than Ben right now, I don't think it's stupid because he is he's that efficient. His efficiency and volume on offense is ridiculous for a 20-year-old. And he's just incredible. He's just yep, yep. unstoppable. He is, you know, the his basketball reference nickname is Xanos, because combination of Zion and Thanos. Zion feels inevitable on offense. It is inevitable that he will get to the rim. I think the the key phrase, and you just said it, it was for a 20-year-old. And I just don't think that in this discussion, that's like a factor in my mind. Like, well, yeah, I'm just, I'm just pointing out that like, that, that was just kind of like in my praise of Zion. Science, I obviously wouldn't say because he's, because he's younger, that makes him better. No, like okay. I, I think for I me, you can make, make it to say that in a few years, Zion will be better, which I, yeah. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's where I'm at with it is that if we're talking like trajectory, I'd feel comfortable if you made the argument that Zion will be better than Ben like right now I don't think that's the case I mean he's not averaging either one block or one steal game so I don't think he's providing a ton of defensive value he's not he's not being great on the boards which is I I thought was kind of weird because rebounds are I I don't like to use rebounds too much as a style I like to it's just because I it's like I'm not going to dive super deep into that but like Honestly, probably one of the things that charters me most against rebounds, knowing how great of a stat they are, is that I was five, I'm five eleven and I averaged seven a game in high school. So I'm like, if I could do it, I'm, I can't think it's that, that. We still had troubles inside. And I was, okay, now I'm really getting off. <laughs> like, what? You were the I, Dennis Rodman of your of your day. <laughs> I tend to think like that. Um, unless it's like glaringly bad or good. I don't think of rebounds too much when thinking of a player's value just per se, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It's for, I, I just meant like, he's not, he's not a disruptive defender and he's not, well, no, he's, he's not a, like he's clean, still bad on, he's still bad on defense. He, he's not clean the glass either. So that's fair. I, I just don't know what he's really doing to help his team on that side of the court. And then yeah, offensively he's been incredibly efficient and it's all been good. Um, I don't, he, again, it's for me, just w- like what we were saying, Levine, like you need to be one of the best scorers in the league if you're not providing. Well, isn't, isn't Zion one of the best scorers in the league already? I'm pretty sure he is. Yeah, he's, 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 he's in that Levine tier for me. So he, you need to be like, if you're not providing defensive value, you need to be a top three offensive weapon in the league to be above Ben with the I, kind of see, I don't know if I agree necessarily with that like I feel like it's more like they are two of I would say Zion and Levine are at the very least offensively top 10 or top 15 in the league 
Okay, yeah, that's fine. So and then, and then, but like, I don't think then you need to provide then necessarily positive defensive value. Except at the end of the day, as much to as be I'm better gonna... than a top twenty guy like Ben, then so like, because yeah. <laughs> offense is more important than defense generally, which is like the nature of basketball is that the guy who has the ball in their hands controls generally what happens. So offense, like naturally, just has like the scales are slightly tipped in their favor when weighing impact and. I just think then if you really want to be considered better, you just have to be like not detrimental on defense, which I would actually say Zach Levine has probably been less detrimental than Zion. Like the first month of the season, Zion was just abhorrently bad on defense where he did not know how to close it. So I, I still think like, and I'm, I'm saying all this to probably agree with you that I'd still take Ben over Zion right now. I think I'd take Levine over Ben just ever so slightly at the moment it's very close between the both, okay. of them. but um, basically, I was just saying it's like in general, as long as you are not like, <laughs> you just have to not be the reason your team gets scored on every time. Basically, you just you can't be literally driving the other team's offense because you're that bad. If that makes any sense, the other team's offense should not simply be better because oh hey he's there let's go after him, which I think. Zion still physically like yeah. is good enough that he cannot be that bad. Although he's more like that where teams can put him in space and just get him closing out. And he's not great at that. Whereas, and like Zach Levine has gotten to the point where he's at least working hard enough and has the physical tools that he can be like, he's just normal bad now after being really bad for a lot of years. Yep. Um, it makes sense what you're saying. I, I guess it, it it's just, it's a nebulous conversation of value. Like, how offense is more important than defense, but is a top 15 offensive player better than a top provide more value than a top three defensive player? Like, and, mm-hmm. and where, and how do you slide those scales and where, and where do they exactly overlap where this is equally valuable as, as this it's, I mean, there's no right answer. Mm-hmm. So just a few other names that like I mentioned, Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell, like, it's weird. I was pretty sure I'd have both of them over Ben going into the season, but I think Ben might have passed them. There was a lot of Devin Booker talk this past week. Everyone, a lot of people upset that he did not make the original all-star team had to be slotted in as an injury replacement for Anthony Davis. A lot of that had to do with Devin Booker's numbers have gone down. His impact stats have not been great, but I do. There have been certainly like it's hard with Devin Booker. Like you catch Devin Booker on the right night, he's incredible. Like <laughs> is this Devin like, Booker against the Sixers or against <laughs> other everyone else? <laughs> a three a three level scorer who I mean we get back to again Devin Booker offensively incredible defensively while not I, again I think like a sieve or the reason your team the other team is scoring all the time is not like a net positive defender. I and I, I did read there was a great piece by Jonathan Charks in the Ringer saying that why he thought Devin Booker should, if they had to pick one Suns guard, even though it's not a good idea to say you have to only pick one of them, but if you had to pick one, he would pick Booker over Paul because basically they're both really good on ball, but Chris Paul isn't as much of an off-ball player as Devin Booker is, and to make the team better, Booker sacrificed. And like kind of showing that the versatility is more important, that Booker can either be your on-ball guy and drive good offense or your off-ball guy and drive good offense. And that kind of matters how he just can scale to whatever your team needs in that sense, which is a good argument. I think versatility is, we talk about all the time in the play, come playoff time, versatility is so important. That ability to choose between different options that you, there's no like one way for a team to game plan you out that they say, well, because if we take this away from him, he'll just do this, which Devin Booker kind of has an offense where he can do a little bit of everything. Yep. And I think it's a good ar- argument. Like, again, <sighs> Devin Booker versus Ben Simmons is really close, I think. Yeah, it's close. Um, I, I don't have a problem. Someone wants to go with Booker. It's, it's, it's hard we, because we need, we're, we we're having. More, we need to have more problems, Sean. We're, we're we're very much. Both of us are very trying to be very thoughtful, very thorough. Like you know, I don't think it's stupid if everyone's like you know, if we want more ratings, we should. So if anyone thinks Devin Booker is better than Ben Simmons, they should have their basketball a, credentials revoked. You're a moron if you put Ben Simmons below Zion Williamson. I'm sorry. That's just the way you, it is. You must, you must hate Australia. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, it's 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 hard because we're having this conversation with Ben playing as well as he ever has at the NBA level, like right on par with his previous stretch that we mentioned, like whether you want to call that or this, like this is as well as he's ever played. Literally Um, literally less than 12 hours, like 12 (laughs) hours ago, he was guarding a guy we said is unanimously unanimously better than him right now, Luka Doncic, and just gave him a ton of problems because he was so fast. Yeah, he shut, he shut, he shut down everyone's kind of preseason MVP, like pretty handily. Uh, like the, the Mavs, have, Mavs got back in it because they found a way to just for a little bit get Luca on other guys, and then Luca said, "Okay, I will destroy everyone who is not named Ben Simmons." Yeah, and and at the end of the day, it was 19 points, one yeah. six made shot, so it wasn't even like they, it's that's the whole thing with Ben. It's hard to get Ben off of you when he can track you down that well. Yeah, so it, it, he's like if he's still doing this for another two months and he's playing at this level through the end of the season, then it's going to seem crazy that we even considered some of these guys better than Ben. But if this is his peak and he kind of like drifts back down like a little natural regression in, in, in some way. And he's not, not as playing as poorly as he did at the beginning of the season, but somewhere in between then probably it'll look silly that we had been above some of the guys we mentioned. It's that's just the nature of the sport. And like there it's why people can constantly have these kind of discussions of, of value all the time. And that's what drives a lot of the talking head shows because these things change on sometimes a day-to-day basis. Yeah. So I think just generally getting a feel for this, you seem to have just a slightly higher ranking of Ben. If we were like to, definitively set our rankings i think it seems like you have him closer to that 15 16 range whereas i think i have him in the top 20 now but i'm more like right at 19 or 20 like he's just in does that sound about right yeah it's and uh, and again i think that is just because he's kind of unlocked this more helpful offensive version of himself recently so for me that that bumps him up the few spots if if that's not something that maintains over over the course of time to on a consistent basis, then yeah, I'm, I'm fine dropping him. I, I think I'd have him closer to where you might have him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the the big takeaway from all of this is that the Sixers have likely the MVP in Joel Embiid, a now top twenty player Ben Simmons, a top fifty slash sixty guy in Tobias Harris. Two very good floor spacers who fit the, who fit the of those other three very well, and Danny Green, Seth Curry, and a bench that at least like if they play like last night, like it's just not so bad that you're gonna get killed, and that kind of makes them sound like a title contender. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think uh, they're certainly in that conversation. And mm-hmm. we talked previously on a different pod about how we expect them to get one or two more pieces to help at the, at the deadline. So that that's, that's still coming. And yeah, this, this version of Dwight where he doesn't elbow everyone into the third row and plays just 10% more under control. That's a really helpful player. Well, did he not elbow them or did he just get away with it last night? I think he doesn't do it as much. So then the refs aren't as inclined to whistle it as often, because if he does it slightly less frequently, then they can let it slide. But if he's do- literally doing it every play, they have to at a certain point. So just I not mean, doing some it. Of, some of it was like Willie Cauley Stein, just like rough night for him. He like just basically folded whenever Dwight tried to put his arms on him to throw him around to get the rebound. Like he just like, he conceded. He's like, ah, Got me that time, Dwight. Like as soon as he put his hands on him, yeah, giving giving the rebound, like a rough night for Collie for sure. Uh, not not his proudest moment. Um, well, one thing we wanted to touch on just before we go here, they are not doing the Rising Stars game. I believe is that's right. They announced that they're not doing that this year. The actual game? No, not the game, but they they will be announcing the, they will the be, teams. They will be announcing teams. So we wanted to go over whether. The one, the only, Tyrese Maxey will make it. It hasn't helped that he's fallen out of the rotation basically the last week. Definitely not in his favor. Doesn't um, help. And 
It also probably doesn't help that they've been doing it more as the Team USA versus Team World kind of thing instead of rookies versus sophomores. Because when I went through it, there's a case for Maxi still to be in that top 10 of rookies. But if it's just top 10 like US guys, he's probably not going to get it. Yeah, it, I, I brought this up and I, I didn't even think about the, the US world aspect of it. Yeah, if you're including the the, the US sophomores, there, there's no chance that Maxi makes the team. I I, I kind of went through it and I, I didn't even think he was top 10 in rookies at this point. Yeah, so yeah. when I went through rookies, and that's the thing, I separated the rookies by US versus world. So like... Because, like, one guy would have ahead of him, Denny Avdia. Like, he'd obviously be on the world team. So, I th- I think that was, like, one. And also, Sammy Lamello Ball, I feel like it's one where Lamello's obviously – I mean, Lamello's the rookie of the year. He's been incredible. But, like, because he played in Australia this past year, if they needed to get more team world spots up, they could definitely move Lamello over that team. But then just going through, like, other rookies so, – Maybe and, he, and he played in Lithuania before that. True. So, so if you count Lamelo de- on Team USA, then definitely I don't think Maxi makes it. But if you have him on Team World, then I have like guys in front of him. Tyrese Halliburton's been better. Yep. Emmanuel quickly, his college teammate would I would have in front of him. Uh, you know, as bad as the efficiency numbers are, Anthony Edwards. It's hard to ignore the fact that he literally murdered a man on the court. <laughs> and and he's he's been a lot better as like oh, yeah, a, he's, a, a, Ant, a, a playmaker. Ant is also the best post, already the best interview in the NBA for those press. Have you seen some of the stuff he's done? Where was, he had Popeye's chicken or one? He told he ignored a reporter's question and said, "I love your accent. Where are you from?" Yeah, um, he asked he, the guy was from Ireland, and he said, You're, "That I love that accent. It's tough. Sorry, can you ask your question again? I was too focused and, on the accent." And again, he had a literal play in a game where basically his butt landed on top of another man's head. <laughs> He's and is very fun and in a very depressing Timberwolves season. Anthony Edwards is fun for sure. So. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the efficiency hasn't been great, but he's playing 30 some minutes a game and one of the Timberwolves main weapons. So when you're looking at rising star criteria, yeah, he's pretty clearly in the, the top of that group. So Halliburton quickly and Edwards, Desmond Bain for the Grizzlies, who we all still love pre-drafts, like 46% from three. I think he probably has to be above Maxi. Devin Vassell for the Spurs, key part of the rotation. And, like, like the, you look at defensive impact stats for rookies, like almost every rookie is universally bad. Then you look at Vassell, and he's basically, like, already a top – like a top 20 to 30 defender in the NBA as a rookie. He is – unbelievable it's like what everyone knew about him pre-draft is that the dude does not miss rotations at all he's incredibly active and springy and with like at 6-6 he just can get all those deflections like Vassell on his defense alone is already I think just been better uh even if this one guy I don't know how much better he's been than Maxi overall Sadiq Bey simple I mean still one of the weirdest conference player of the week awards ever but, <laughs> yeah you know, it was He's been shooting well enough from three and solid enough and playing good enough for the Pistons. I think definitely Sadiq Bey gets thrown in. So that's that's six guys. Any disagreements with those six so far? No, I I I, I didn't even have Vassell honestly um, on Vassell, my list. But Vassell's, yeah. Vassell's been better. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I just I I had more than ten guys on my list and it didn't even include him. So mm-hmm. then we had like like other guys like. Xavier Tillman's been starting for the Grizzlies and is yeah, good. I had him. He had the one play where Chris Paul tried to take him one on one and he just ripped the ball away from Chris Paul off the dribble, which was like I'm in like a lot of nerdy hoops Twitter group chats and they like lost their minds over that, all of us, that he was able to do that. Um Patrick Pat Williams for the Chicago Bulls, I think probably yep. has a case over Maxi. Maxi versus Peyton Pritchard's interesting. I think long-term, I definitely <laughs> think Maxie's better. I think you can make a case that Peyton Pritchard's had more of an impact this year. Yeah. Uh, we're, we, we've reached Peyton Pritchard area, so I feel like this kind of sh- shows how, how the Maxie stock has fallen since his... Uh, we're trying to thir- see if he's one of the 10 best, point game. US, 10 best U.S. <laughs> rookies. So then, because these were the other guys I had. Like, honestly, I think I would have Maxie over Wiseman. Because but if someone if someone put Wiseman ahead of them, like I understand it. 
I I know, but like, like you need a, you, you, you need a big man. Been better ever since Wiseman got hurt, partially because they just went to more Draymond at center lineups. Which yeah, I don't I don't think like that's indicative of of Wiseman. I think that was just Draymond being back and and Wiseman playing more. Was just like. Again, it's another thing. We're we're very trying to be thoughtful. Again, I agree with you. If you want to say Wiseman's better, that he still his stats are better, he still plays. Does it's not even it's not even better. It's a rising star. It so like being on the court matters. True, you're talking about Wiseman's been given opportunities that Maxi hasn't. Yeah, like Maxi's been twenty third among rookies in minutes per game. So he has to to be a rising star. You have to be on the court. And Maxi hasn't. He's hasn't been like hyper efficient when he's been on the court. Like he's shooting twenty seven percent from three, only forty four percent from the field. We do he's not only a... the three. We do not mention the three point percentage. We only <laughs> say that Maxi takes floaters and he makes. <laughs> he only shakes floaters. That's right. That is it. Floaters um, and layups. Like he's he's only eleventh in points per game among rookies, and he he he's hasn't. There's no other like stat leaderboard category where he's even in the conversation mm-hmm. so i like if he if he's 11th in points and that's the best thing he does like how, how could he be top 10 among rookies it just it, it's not there um a couple other names i had uh was a coro yeah i had a coro too he's probably he's probably better than maxi so far and then uh jason tate yeah, Jason, I thought we were he was gonna be one like when they need to funge like together the team world spots. Jason yeah. <laughs> playing in Australia last year. So I wasn't thinking that him. Jason Tate has been better. Yeah, I I I'd know like I said, when I was making I was just writing down names. I had no US world um designations mm-hmm. listed. Um yeah, and I think uh you kind of mentioned everybody else. Cole Anthony has not been good, but he, he was the starting point guard until his reach and injury. So he was a guy that's been a starter for a team uh whereas maxi's not in the rotation mm-hmm. so i feel like people would bring his name up um yeah and you mentioned everybody else so i, yeah. I it's it's hard he's just maxi he's not even playing like how could he be a top 10 rookie at this point yeah i mean i don't even think cole anthony played last night but like it's just hard for me to reward anyone the magic not named nikola vucevic like i checked i was just checking box scores during the sixers commercial breaks last night Nikola, at one point, the Magic had 47 points in the third quarter. Like, no, that was how many points they had total go like halfway through the quarter. And Vucevic had 22 of those. So their team has pretty much been Vucevic or die. So I, I really didn't think, I understand what you're getting, what you're saying about opportunity matters. And he's been given some that Maxi hasn't. Uh, other guys along those lines are Precious Achua and Isaiah Stewart have both gotten real center minutes for their teams, even though their teams haven't been good. Also, just one last name I wanted to mention, Jaden McDaniels for the Timberwolves. One of, again, one of the few other bright spots. He's basically, he hits spot-up threes, and then he has a penchant for not only blocking shots on defense, basically, like, he, like, volleyball spikes every single block shot he has, and it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he, he's a fun player, for sure. So, like, I think that's – and it's not to say we're down on Maxi. I mean, we love Maxi. It's just – it is very hard, especially with a guy who isn't getting much time. Like, Maxi's been very good in the minutes. For a rookie, Maxi's been good in the minutes he's been given. It's just probably not good enough to get that selection. He's been fine in the minutes. Like, it's oh, he's not, he has not been – a rookie, I mean, like, it's just the basic thing. If the list of, like, 19- and 20-year-old guys who are six foot one and under – to come in and not be huge net negatives is like Chris Paul. And then we're done as like 19 to 20 year olds. Yeah, it's hard, but uh, Maxi, Maxi, like towards the beginning of the year, Maxi was, I would say he was doing very well with the minutes he was provided late, lately, not so much. I feel like there's been a noticeable drop off in Maxi's play, which he's a rookie that that's going to happen. It's not saying we don't like his future. It's just uh, the reality of how these things work. It is the reality of how these things work. You know, <laughs> I, I'm probably like, the, I, <laughs> what a line. But um, Maxi is, I think he's a little closer to that standing, but I think we're both in agreement here. He'd probably miss it no matter. But, you know, it doesn't matter. Hopefully, it's just the Rising Stars game. Hopefully, we don't get another t- uh, tweet along the lines of Matisse Thibel's agent last year. 
He's very mad at the assistant coaches. I, w- I was much angrier about Matisse not making it than I would be about Maxi. Is is basically what how I can sum up my thought day, on at this. At the end of the day, the Rising Stars game is what it is. Like, do you watch the Rising Stars game? I I I honestly didn't watch the All Star game for a few years there. So. Yeah, so like, you're not going to watch. Not not a lot of people watch the Rising Star games. Do you check the highlights afterwards to see if one of the like athletic rookies had a cool dunk? Like. If they played it this year, I would check yeah. to see, like, did Aunt Edwards, like, touch the backboard and then t- dunk the ball? Like, I'd check yeah. for that, but... If it's on my... T- if it comes across my Twitter feed, I'll, I'll say it. It's, it's basically my rising stars overall <laughs> yeah. thinking. It's nothing to get too bad about, but... Uh, yeah. Sean, it was great talking to you. We'll be back again next week when the Sixers will have reached kind of, like, the break point of this very the, season. Yeah. We'll All do some fun evaluations there, like looking back on what we like how the team's done so far, looking back at what we thought in the preseason. But yeah, I'll talk to you next week and thank you all for listening. Yep, talk to you guys next week. Sixers have two all-stars and they're in first place in the East. It's good times. All right. Take care, everybody.